You're listening to Dirty Feet, a podcast from No More Radio. Vous écoutez le podcast Dirty Feet sur les ondes de No More Radio. Hosted by, animé par, Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, et Stéphanie Morin-Robert. Stay tuned. We're going to move you. Last week, we released a pretty epic podcast, so we're going to keep it a little simpler this week. Uh, if you if you checked it out, it was actually our Edmonton uh, Fringe coverage episode that was over two hours long. Uh, there were so many people there that we got to meet and talk to about dance and movement at the Fringe there. Uh, now we're currently in Victoria, BC, where we're also participating in the Fringe Festival, and we're going to be speaking with some of the artists presenting work in this festival. Uh, there are 55 shows in this festival, and I believe it's the 28th edition of the Victoria Fringe. Uh, so we're going to start with our, our first uh, group of guests. There's a whole bunch of them here who are co-creators and performers in the show Vasilisa. And uh, this is a shadow picture kind of movement. Uh, it's going to be explained a little further as we talk to the cast. Uh, they're from Berkeley, California, and they're coming up to do the Fringe here in Victoria. So we're going to start with uh, Adam Lipsky here. Can you tell us a bit more about, uh, about your project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we started putting this together in about maybe the end of March, beginning of April. So it's been about five months. And... Me and Alisa Javits, who's sitting right next to me here, we, we had been doing stuff for, I was doing shadow pictures, shadow stuff at all, um, for about, about a year at this point now, I think about September last year we started doing stuff, so we were doing very small scale things, and just recently she has um, built this uh, freestanding screen, so we have this large screen now that's a 10 feet tall, 20 feet wide, and this is what our show takes place on. So these two ladies right next to me, Marley and Courtney, they are dancers, and, and it's a large part of the piece we have going now. They, they're kind of the central part, and, and the characters. We have um, a bit going on, but this is by far the largest thing we've, we've tried to do to date. So this is, it's been very exciting for us, and it's, um, it's very, very interesting. And so the other element of the show is... Um, the music element, live music, myself and Max Juddelson right here, he um, is an is upright bass player, and I, I do keyboards. And so we both, we're both doing vocals as well. So we're both trying to create as, as big of a sound as we can, just being two people. And so we try to do that. Hopefully there's some success in that. But uh, it's, it's something, you know. It's, it's hard, to, hard to tell what it is, and, and it's been really interesting getting people's responses people have been very receptive here and um much more than the shows we've done before there seems to be a, uh, an audience people are, are interested in trying to come see this type of thing and uh, not entirely sure why that is if people are just more enthusiastic in general or if or if there is um not sure if it's the dance element people are interested if it's the shadow element that people are interested in i'm not sure but uh very interesting yeah and as far as I understand, it's based around the Slavic traditional tales of Baba Yaga. Uh, correct, yeah. And uh, what the what the correct pronunciation is, I'm not entirely sure. And you know, we we've been saying Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga. People pronounce it different ways, and I'm not sure. We're trying to get if we have the Slavic the Slavic uh, pronunciation. We're not sure. Yeah, we're not not entirely sure what it is, but we'll take it away. We do. I've been pronouncing it Baba Yaga. And um, yes, so it's about 
It's about Vasilisa, young girl, who is kind of a Cinderella character. And she she is sent into the woods by her evil stepmother after her mother and father die. So she's this forlorn girl. And she's sent into the woods. And the witch is there and takes her in, makes her work. So she to not be killed by the witch, she is forced to work. And then, as we find towards the end of it, she is released and sent back to, to try to kill her, her step family who the witch orders her to kill her stepfamily and when she gets back she realizes that perhaps that that her stepfamily maybe was not even there that maybe it was in her mind we're, we're set up to possibly see this that that maybe all of this was in her mind but maybe but what actually took place with her interaction with the witch that she became more empathetic with the witch and um and what what is what what happened? What actually happened in this thing? And so we're it's it's left very ambiguously at the end. Just in terms of how everybody got involved, did uh, w- was this a vision that you all had together collectively, or was it somebody collecting these people with different skills to kind of put together this production? Did you realize halfway through that we needed live music or something like that? I think Max is going to take the microphone. Um, we'd all worked uh, together in separate shapes different forms before I'd worked with Marley in dance before I'd worked with um, Adam in music before and Marley and Courtney had worked together and Adam and Elisa and so we all kind of said well hey we all we all could throw down together and make it huge and awesome and you said that you guys worked together before so music um, collaborating with dancers is something that you're used to doing and something that you've done in the past uh, yeah, I've put together a couple of pieces with Marley uh, over the past few years, and that's uh, I accompany dance classes and compose music for dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm getting started as a dancer. Oh, awesome! <laughs> and for uh, Vasilisa, the the production, um, as far as the movement goes, how is the movement created? What, where, did the music come first? Did you guys choreograph? on that was it something you guys created at the same time where does the movement come from so it was mostly all created at the same time adam and max composed the music as we went along and marley and i choreographed the movement together um over the rehearsal process and they talked to us about what we needed in terms of soundscape and environment and marley and i talked to them about what we were trying to plan um, movement-wise to go along with the story and the narrative that we were trying to convey. Um, so, yeah, it was mostly a collaboration through the whole length of the process. And, and being a dancer on the road, what are, what are the biggest challenges? Because I know that we've found you know, that, that a theater festival um, isn't as accommodating for, for dancers. What, what we're used to, I guess, is having rehearsal space, a place to warm up at least an hour before the show, a place to stretch, time to stretch before striking and having to get the hell out of the venue. So, yeah, what are, how have you guys been coping with that and what are other challenges that you've uh, faced yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. Those have been all of our challenges <laughs> that we've had so far. Um, the first thing that we sort of had to navigate was the fact that traveling out here, um, 
myself and three of us all drove up from Berkeley. And so it was about a three day drive. Wow. Um, which is really hard on the body to sit for so long yeah. and um, sleep in new places and that sort of thing. And Marley actually flew in from the East Coast. So she had to deal with um, the time change and having traveled. So first we had to get over that. And then um, getting into the venue you're absolutely right. There's nowhere to warm up. We're not allowed into the space until 30 minutes prior to the show. And this show in particular has quite a bit of setup, so we can't be in the theater warming up, stretching. So Marley and I have had to sort of make do and find a hallway here or there and, you know, warm ourselves up. We plank together. <laughs> um, and then breaking down afterwards, we have to... Uh, interact with the audience members and sort of talk to them about our show so yeah cooling down has been tough we get home at night and we're pretty achy and um, it's been difficult to work out the kinks of this performance mm. and as far as uh, this set and and we talked about this screen is is this uh, something that you guys put together once you arrived here in Victoria or did you kind of travel with all of your your equipment and and this this huge screen that you're talking yeah. about yeah we traveled here with all the gear and have spent uh quite a bit of time before this getting it all travel ready and portable really and this is kind of the second generation of the traveling rig when we first started about a year ago we had a much smaller group and operation as far as the size of the performance so this has all been designed to travel with us and it looks like a lot, and it is a lot, but to hopefully be as easy to bring around so far as possible. Hope to make it easier every time, but it is an amazing feat that all five of us pull all this stuff out on stage and set it up in the few minutes that we're allowed and break it back down. Can you explain what it, what it is exactly? Yeah, so it's a, uh, the screen, like Adam said, is 10 feet tall, 20 feet wide, and it's held up by two poles, which are weighted down at the ends um, so that they don't tip in. And then there's a similar rig in the back is two poles that have a rope going across them, which are used to hold up a lot of the shadow props and uh, a couple of other small elements like a tripod that holds up some of the props and lights and then the rest of the show we spend uh i run around with a bunch of lights navigating around the props and the dancers and uh just that's basically the rig and then there's all the music so that uh the gear there so there's a lot of keyboards in the bass to assemble every time so we have quite a collection of objects up there <laughs> Definitely. If I'm not mistaken, you've also presented this work in California before heading heading up to uh, Victoria. Uh, have you presented it anywhere else? This work, no. And when we were in um, Santa Cruz, California at the Fringe Festival there in July, um, we only, Courtney was not uh, involved. She she had other commitments. And um, so it was only one dancer. So it made a very different piece. There's a lot of stuff going on with the, with the, um, just intertwinedness of of them and and the in tandem movement that uh creates a certain effect um just dramatically that is that is uh i think a lot stronger when there's two mm -hmm. and um maybe more vague when there's one 
so there's some there's some you know we've we've tried to craft this um this narrative in a as as a clear clearer way as we can and there's a lot of things that are kind of um interacting with each other's um plot lines like the for example the um the as as the girl starts to go off into the woods, which may be in her mind, we're not sure. She, she starts in in the house with her step family, and we're we're to believe that this is her normal life. As she starts going into the woods towards the witch's house, she that that is when the split happens. When there are two, the, both the dancers together. Before that, there's only been one, and so do you know dancing in tandem like that? Um, they they where dramatically all of a sudden this has happened the split has happened and so they stay together throughout this time with the witch and as as they come back when they come back to the real world whatever whatever that is back to the house they are they are still split and so this split has happened something psychologically has happened in this time whether it's been just in the mind or actually has been this trip into this magical world um something's happened something that something dramatically has happened and that wasn't that wasn't possible with one dancer and because it was just the same throughout as far as the way that the show is is structured differently um for me that's there's i mean there's much more space and there's much more play i guess it was a lot more about a practicality in the in the other version because i had to actually bounce from character to character you know whether that was costuming or whatever which has been very streamlined because you have two seconds um but it's been really nice to be able to play with um sharing the tiny space that we have and um and being able to make the split personality idea a physical thing that is clear to the audience as well um, rather than internalizing this splitting um, and being physical about splitting by yourself and that's a little bit harder to convey it's really much more fun to do it with somebody and to play with how your shadows can actually become one and then split again and and playing with shadows as a dimension in dance is totally totally new for me um, and learning what reads in this two dimensional form and what doesn't that could usually read just in your physical form not being I don't want to say blocked but having the screen in between you and the viewer um, it totally changes how you can, like, what your physicality can be. And that's been really interesting to learn. And then when you're moving with somebody else, these these tricks of, like, we do some things where our hands go to touch, but behind the screen we have four feet between us and we're nowhere really near each other. And that's been a strange thing to experience what was the uh, process in kind of finding out how to work in that two-dimensional in that two-dimensional field as dancers um for us the 
the process sort of revealed itself as we went along. We The first thing we did initially was to get in the studio with these guys, the music and the shadow rig, and just improv. We improvised and we filmed a lot of it to see what we found interesting and what felt interesting but maybe didn't read so well. So we did a lot of experimentation with the movement vocabulary that we needed to sort of pursue. And then um, we talked a lot about the sort of dynamics that we wanted to attach to each character. Like the witch is a little bit more angular and she's sharp and she has a lot of... um, hard movements and Vasilisa is a younger girl so we try and convey her in a softer and immature way Um, so we developed the material based on what we saw and then also how we wanted the characters to feel um, through the movement that we ended up coming up with you rely on certain costumes or or pieces to add to your figure to change it behind the screen yeah absolutely um marley plays baba yaga the witch and um she elisa has rigged a sheet um she's sewn it and taped it together so it looks like a sort of cloak uh the first time we come across baba yaga she's a big blob of the two of us under a larger sheet and then she sort of develops from there into Marley by herself with the sheet over her head. So she um, she's this sort of ambiguous, dark creature with her hands as the only articulate um, part of her body, really. And so she her talking comes from the gestures that she portrays with her hands. And the stepsister has a funny little hat that she wears to... Um, to differentiate herself from the other dancing parts. So having performed a a version of this this piece in California and one here, uh, can you speak at all to the difference in experience? You're you're almost done your run here. You've already done four performances, so you've had the Victoria Fringe uh, experience and the the California Fringe experience. Uh, Does anybody want to respond? Yeah, sure. Um, The... In Santa Cruz, it was it was only their it's it's only their third year, but considering that they've done a lot of great work down there, it's a really it's an established festival. But just by the nature of that, compared to 28 years um, as the Victoria Festival is, um, very different level of um, publicity, very different level of built-in audience, and we really have been feeling the the built the the um, enthusiasm, like I said before, and, and just the. The fact that people go to shows that they don't know what it is. I mean, because, you know, we tried to make our little description as as accurate as possible, but that doesn't really convey what it is at all. So, um, I mean, it does a little bit, but um, not enough. So people have been really, I think, taking a taking a risk doing it, in which a lot of a lot of people don't want to do that. With theater, with dance, with music, it's really all all true in the different fields that people don't want to if they don't know what they're going the kind of experience they're going to try to see they're mostly not interested in making that leap i found personally so you know that's all i can say but um you really feel that people are interested here Uh, that's that that was my feeling and um 
Yeah, you know, it's it's funny to to um, to pack them all in the front of the of the festival period. Unfortunately, we had to go home early, so no, we weren't able to stay for the full festival. So, I have gathered that it's it's kind of more that that that's hard for performers usually to to backload or front load their shows, and you you kind of miss out on some audience potential audience members, and um, I. I and I think I can speak for all of us that we've been very happy with the um, with the turnouts, considering that and considering that we ha- have no real personal connections up here, and this is the first time we've all been to Victoria. Or to um, that's true, right? Yeah. You guys haven't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also really nice to do more than one show. Uh, sometimes we don't, as performers, get the chance to. Um, do the same show you know at this at the end of this we'll will be like 12 or 15 shows or something that we will have done with the Santa Cruz festival and it's really nice uh, you know unless you're in a big production or you're playing in the pit for a musical or something like that you don't always get to do the same show more than two or three times you know it's really nice to be able to do it and say, oh, that worked, or tonight, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I ate something and I didn't feel so good and it was kind of not as good as it could be. But, you know, it's it's cool to, like last night I felt like we had a really good show for some reason better than the others um, and that we have two more and we can maybe run on that and say, hey, we can, let's do it more like we did it when it was good. And it's really interesting to to get that experience you know and as musicians too sometimes you like play one show and then you get your check and you go home you know and and that's it and this is this is really nice to watch it progress not only in the in the creative process but also in the performance like our first show was a lot different than it is now cool i think we definitely feel that as well it's a really exciting part of uh, of this opportunity at fringe um so I think Victoria has definitely been into a treat, whether they're into dance or not. And this seems like an extremely accessible production, whether you're into shadow work, whether you're into dance and into movement, live music or. Um, yeah. So there's there seems to be a little something for everybody. And uh, maybe that's a part of the reason, you know, why people ever there's something in there for everyone. Sort of in the way that you just said, how there's a little bit of something for everyone. It's. I think in this production in particular, as a dancer, it's nice to get to do something that um, is based on such a narrative, and then we've had the ability to abstract it from there. Um, And I feel like dance in general is sometimes can be very abstract, so this has been a great opportunity for us to explore the idea of being clear and concise and narrative, which I think makes it even more accessible for audience members and the dynamic and depth of it is really unique to this show so we're really excited about it <laughs> i would even add something to that and that and that is that the pieces we'd done before this had been much more abstract and we'd never alisa and i uh had never worked with dancers before in any capacity so this is a brand new thing for us and certainly because of that it's been a challenge but the um but the, um, you know, so like like Courtney said, the fact that we're trying to, the abstracting it from the narrative before 
it would be trying to come towards some sort of narrative at all from the completely abstract. So it's it's kind of the opposite way we've been doing it this way, and it's it's kind of I think I think it's been maybe maybe a bit more successful because there is some something to hold on to in the first place, and then you can be more controlled with the abstraction that you kind of that you make rather than it being just in outer space and then trying to rein it in. It's a much more control to do it the way we've done it here. Could we uh, have a taste of, of something for our ears, a little little piece of the music from the show to play at the end of the podcast? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, this one would be um, a segment of when Vasilisa is working at the witch's house. The witch tells her to to work and I won't eat you. And so there's this... I, I think it's the best example of the music melding the just the, the best, the levels and the types of um, textures that both me and Max are playing, I think, work the best in this, in this example. Okay, fantastic. So thank you guys so much. We've been speaking with Adam, Elisa, Marley, Max, and Courtney, all from Vasilisa, which is a production here at the Victoria Fringe Festival. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Thank you Thank so you. much. next guest we have on for Dirty Feet this week, talking about her production at the Victoria Fringe Festival, is Diana Sonic Henderson, who is uh, creating the work Seven with her company Broken Rhythm Presents. Now this, this work is a series of seven smaller works kind of tied together for, for the hour-long production. Uh, Diana, thanks for being here. Thank you. Now, you are from Victoria. You've participated in the festival several times. You've yeah. actually won uh, Fringe Pick. Yeah. For four the past. times in a row? Um, four times, yeah. For um, Once for Spark and three times for our last production, Grimm. And, um, yeah. 
Fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so are those different companies than the Broken Rhythm Company? No, it's all under the Broken Rhythms um, umbrella. So it's the same the company that puts on these shows. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So so what is the, the origins of Broken Rhythm? Um, Broken Rhythms happened uh, actually after taking seven years off and studying dance and having dance jobs that range from cruise ships to um, uh, dancing with uh, DJD during their apprenticeship program. And when I got back home, I didn't I saw a slight vacancy for older dancers um, that just needed to be filled, and I was actually looking to join a company, and I didn't find one to join, and that's what really started my own company. So is that a reflection of the of what's going on in Victoria right now, that there's not... What? There wasn't something available for... No, yeah, I would say there's there was definitely nothing available um, for a certain style of dance um, that I wanted to do, um, but luckily it has been growing and changing and I've definitely noticed a difference over the past three years because this is our third year um, performing. And that is specifically is that modern dance that you're talking about? Um, it's We call it rhythmical contemporary and the reason we call it that is actually when I was in Calgary and I was applying for grants and jobs um, the jazz community looked at what I was doing as contemporary and the contemporary community looked at what I was doing as jazz so neither would give me um, well give me like I like let me participate in certain opportunities um, and there was an other box and so I checked the other box and just made up the name on the spot rhythmical contemporary which is now what we do and we do workshops on it and it is now a style of dance that has been completely born in Victoria the uh, dance community in Victoria has really been uh, growing and 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 is quite a thriving community for for a smaller city mm-hmm. um, a little bit of a hub uh, part, partially because of Dance Victoria and Linda Reno uh, Studios and all of this amazing uh, dance studios around town. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're from Victoria originally? Originally, yeah. What was it like growing up in in that community as it was beginning to emerge and th- and start thriving more? Well, I don't know if it was my experience or my age. I didn't necessarily see as big of an opportunity then as I do now. Um, the Reno, um, Linda Reno Studio, now Reno Studio, um, has always been around and it's open to adults. So at the time, um, I wasn't of age and uh, Dance Victoria wasn't around either when I was growing up. So coming back and seeing these opportunities and seeing these great studios, I now teach at the Reno Studio and take classes there whenever I can. And there's a thriving adult community of dancers and dancing and celebration of movement. And then I'm also now um, working with Dance Victoria um, and to give uh, opportunities. Um, They're bringing in mentors for me and doing a lot of things like that too. So walking into it, I feel like I came in exactly at the right moment when they were looking for young choreographers that were really willing to work hard and when dancers were looking for the opportunity to dance. How many people are in your cast of uh, seven? I have four dancers. Four beautiful dancers. I love them to pieces, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what has your uh, creative relationship been with your dancers? Are they all from Victoria? or They're all from Victoria, yeah. And I met them in all different ways um, to participate in this project. 
And what are their involvement in the piece? Do you arrive with um, an already structured or choreographed work from A to Z, or are, are they part of the process? Do you use improvisation when creating work with them? They're definitely part of the process. This show is based on the seven stages of grief, so it was extremely important to get their involvement. Um, I work with the dancers I have in front of me and what their capabilities are, and I push them, and these guys really rise to the occasion and push back and moved it to a place I never thought it would be able to go. Um, I, it's a very specific style, and um, like two of the dancers really started six months ago, and they like jumped in to the style and really kind of um, played with it with me. And being such a personal story, it was my personal seven stages, but they have all very recently experienced some, some type of loss, so they were able to bring their own stories to the show. And, and Seven being inspired by, as you mentioned, your seven stages of grief. Mm -hmm. um, can you maybe share those, those stages with us to kind yeah. of take us on a bit of a journey of what we'll have a taste of during your show? Yeah, and it always is like, sounds super depressing, but <laughs> there is a happy ending. Um, it happened, <laughs> it was actually, uh, I'm a sociology student as well at UVic, and I was taking a death and dying class, um, which is great when you're also going through some personal loss. And um, one of the exam questions was like, memorize the seven stages of grief. And I wrote it and I found it very cathartic and a very universal message um, that these are stages that we all need to go through. Um, they tend to be hidden. We tend to go out with smiles on our faces even though everyone's hurting. So it really allowed me to go from more of an internal place of like, you know, poor me to an external of like everyone you're meeting is at some stage of this grieving process, even if it's rebuilding and it's a happy stage, they're still going through it. So um, this whole process, it starts with shock and denial, which is the first one, uh, disorganized. Um, then it is volatile reaction anger, which is always a fun one. Um, then guilt, lost and loneliness, relief, and then rebuilding. And do you find to a certain extent that this has been therapeutic for oh. you and understanding your losses and accepting them? And so therapeutic. And I feel great after I see my dancers run. Like they've said during rehearsal, they shared with me that sometimes they'd go home and they're, they said they they cried. And I was like, well, I feel great. So like, I hope I'm not, <laughs> I'm using you guys to go Putting through my therapy. The, yeah. The grief into grief them. Grief and everything to them. But um but, you know, and I think certain things, it's surprising that every night there's a certain piece that hits me slightly different. And I'm like, oh, I must be, you know, you jump around at the stages as well. We do it in a linear fashion, but you can go from, you know, anger to disorganized again to denial again. And you can jump around. This is just more of the traditional linear look at it. So it is, while I was choreographing it, I feel like I was going through these phases as I was doing it so it really kind of helped me come to terms with why I was going through it and that it was okay to go through it. And I may have missed this but do you perform in the work? No I no. don't. I try as hard as I can not to perform in my own work so I can have mm -hmm. a separation at some point. And how is it to do you watch every run? Are yes. you in the audience watching and yes, do you and get like the classic chore choreographed twitch of like you know, yeah, while you're kind yeah, of performing the piece in an interior way while watching it? I think it's more what I've learned and through this process, um, because this is our th third year doing this, it's my third full show, um, the handing off the work to the dancers, and I think that's been 
my biggest learning experience is like at a certain point I'm like well it's your show now you do with it what you want um, I'm gonna watch and I'm gonna of course making lighting cues and like things that need to be fixed but then my dancers have the full freedom to express what they need to express on stage and um, be a bit more truthful they're not reflecting my story they're reflecting their story and then in turn reflecting the audience's interpretation so adapting it with their own personal experiences exactly. and what they connect with um, and we haven't really spoken about music, but I'm sure this isn't a piece that's performed in silence. How, how did you go about selecting your music and how is that uh, an ongoing collaboration? Um, I, my music is, and I don't, it, just based on my training, um, appreciation for musicians and appreciation for music and every single note they put. Um, part of the rhythmical contemporary um, ideas and belief we've kind of come up with is that the dancers aren't another instrument on top of the music and we highlight and we also hide certain things in um, the music so in that way it's extremely specific usually I do quite a bit of my own editing on the song um, my voice can be found in about three or four of the pieces not speaking just making maybe an additional accent I wanted to make underneath it um, and then a lot of piecing together of different songs um, to make it kind of the perfect representation of it. I try not to get any songs that a lot of people have heard or are super recognizable, so there won't be that automatic connection of like, oh, I remember this song. Oh, I was like out on a beach when I heard it. It's a lot more like they can hear the song for the first time, I hope. In terms of talking about the Victoria Fringe mm -hmm. Festival and uh, dance within the Victoria Fringe, we've had the experience of, of some festivals being more receptive to, to dance um, as part of a theatre festival uh, and others being a, a bit more, uh, uh, having less dance or, or having it be more of a surprise um, to have dance within a theatre festival. Um, but you've been very successful in, in your shows at the Fringe here. Um, where do you see dance in, in the Victoria Fringe? How do you, how do you see that? Well, I, I said uh, in another interview that like, I didn't know that it was not as like, normal to have dance in. We kind of went in a little bit blind, which has been a bit of a benefit to us. Um, we have been, uh, the Victoria community has 100% gone like and backed us up and are really supportive of us and in that way Broken Rhythms is very developed by the community and I think that also helps um, bringing people out to come and see us and asking about our next show. And Broken Rhythms is, is quite active during the year as well? Yeah well this past year especially um, just after our first show was like you know people are getting to know us the second show afterwards people knew who we were so they were able to contact us about other projects they wanted to do and we were more than eager to like help out and jump in and do whatever and get more experience and um so we talked about music we talked a little bit about the background of the, this movement this this new quality of movement that you kind of brought to to victoria um what about uh, costumes and set design what will the audience see other than the physicality of the dancers well for sure we were kind of we love playing with props. Um, our rehearsal space got changed um, around a lot this year, and that way we were kind of nomadic dancers, as whatever studio would open their doors at any time, we kind of would go in and work. Um, we use balloons, we use sheets. Um, having four dancers, they used each other a lot more as props. Um, and we were able to kind of create an experience, um, hopefully that represents the seven stages of grief. 
um, in a very honest way. And uh, as far as this being a company that, that kind of exists year-round, mm-hmm. how did you go about selecting your dancers for this work in particular? And do you have some kind of audition process, or is it people that you've seen dance and you, or friends? Mm-hmm. So who do you, how do you decide uh, who to work with? It's changed. We've tried, um, we've tried the uh, audition process, and I find it's just so... It, what works best, and it's kind of scary that it works best this way, is how things end up just kind of coming to um, fruition and how people just walk through the door that you haven't seen in six years. And they're like, oh, I saw the last show. How can I be part of this? I really, And they're just really excited. And then we do a, a trial basis, and then we'll see from that point if they move ahead. Um, and then... I couldn't imagine doing this dance with more or less than four people or with any other dancers. So it just, it ended up working out. I think it would have been a different show if I didn't have the same, um, the same girls. Yeah, since they're bringing such a personal element into the work. And, and as you said, like once they have the choreography, they, it's theirs and they mm-hmm. make of it what they want. Yeah. Um, are you thinking of bringing your work anywhere else? I feel like here in Victoria, it's, it's, it's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the community knows who you are. You know, been doing it for three years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you thought of bringing it to any other fringe festivals or anywhere else in, here in Canada? Yeah, that's definitely it. Like, we tried out um, touring down um, to Port Alberni for their first fringe festival um, last year. And that was just for me to learn about budgeting and for me to know what to ask for and everything like that. We're still very much a nomadic company in the way that we have no outside funding yet. Um, we have... We, we work with whoever is kind of around and Victoria's been great. The next step would be part-time, full-time company and for us to move and show kind of Canada what we have. Um, I've been lucky enough to go and work in, Hal- um, in Halifax with a dance company down there and create a work and then they are performing in the Fringe. So it's kind of in a roundabout way um, spreading that message. But hopefully in the next year, that's the goal is to work, go around see what other dance things are out there. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been speaking with Dana Sonic Henderson from Broken Rhythms, uh, and your work is called Seven here at the Victoria Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. So can you you introduce us to the the track that we're going to play at the end of this interview? Um, For sure. It's um, Ala by Kimo Pojoen, and um, it's meant to represent um, anger. Perfect. Thank you.
So I guess it's the exciting moment where we get to update everybody and discuss between ourselves of how this tour is going with uh, For Body and Light. Um, yeah, we're in Victoria. I feel like we just kind of appeared here and a few months ago kind of planning all of this and now we're in the middle of our tour and it's it's kind of crazy. Um, I think personally just arriving in Victoria I've been a lot of mixed emotions of just like finding it overly breathtakingly beautiful here um, and trying to take all of that in. But the festival uh, running on 28 years here in Victoria is... is uh, a different beast going from Edmonton to here is, is quite the the transition of just things being a little more spread out but then there's this like fringe club where we can all hang out and that's really exciting and there's going to be a dance party which we love um, but yeah yesterday was a really big day we arrived and then we uh, did our tech and, and just everybody was extremely accommodating and making everything work because um, originally we wouldn't have been able to hang our light and if you've seen our show it's kind of the main element uh, of it one of the main elements um, so they made it happen and then we teched um, discovered the city a bit and then we opened and uh, the thing about arriving into a city that you don't know many people except for Linnea of course who's who has a super supportive family of just spreading the word and flyering and postering for us <laughs> that's lovely um we, we got here had, having no idea of how many tickets we pre-sold or how many people would show up at the door. Um, because if we go back to Edmonton, we had this, this magic app where I could just check how many tickets we were selling and be like, oh my God, there's only 11 tickets sold. <laughs> we have to hustle and flyer. And so um, not knowing that, it leaves super mysterious to see who you'd be performing with and you don't even know if media is going to be there so having a 70 plus audience for our opening show was just so because i'm still smiling i'm just like holy crap it was awesome <laughs> one of the best moments i think from last night from our opening show is uh is my mom um, was there and uh, her her close friend and my partner as well was there and when they drove up to uh, the theater they saw this huge line going down the street and they were thinking oh I really hope that's for for body and light and it was for for body and light and uh, so that was really exciting to hear that moment from them where they were just so excited for us that we had just arrived, showed up, you know, flyered a little bit, put some posters up, and we already had this incredible lineup outside of our of, of our opening show. And, and uh, that was a really great moment. Mm. Um, for me, this is really special for us to be here because Victoria is my hometown and, and I, I love Victoria so much and my family's all here. And it's so exciting to be back in this context of bringing work that we've put so much energy into for the past year and a half and, and has been so much a part of my life and, and our lives and getting to share that with people that are really important to me in a city that is just so incredibly important to me as well is a really unique experience. I can't really believe that we are here in my hometown and yesterday after our tech rehearsal I walked out the front door of our theater and I said that to everybody I said oh right we're in Victoria <laughs> like everything's familiar to me here so it's been so amazing to share that with uh, Allison and with Steph and and Ian as well and 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 bring for body and light to Victoria because I think that 
this is a this is a an ocean city. We're on an island, and people here really connect with the kind of work that we're creating, and and that's why I was so excited about bringing it here. Besides the fact that um, it is my hometown. Yeah, and and going back to something that Allison actually said in in another one of our like breakdown debriefs of the tour is the the snowball effect of this. Um, having done. You know, first we started off with Frigid in, in March and and having just three amazing reviews, but but no stars or no really sense of of what that would bring us in a Canadian fringe. And then going from Saskatoon and getting reviewed there, and then the Edmonton reviews, and now having this 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 list of of amazing quotes and and feedback and and more followers and people who are interested in the work. And how that's that's also something that follows us here, and and whether it's being familiar in this in this town because it's Linnea's hometown, but also familiar in the French circuit because now we're a touring company where we're like we're touring the circuit, and there's there's a certain uh, community uh, feel to that, and 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 also the feeling of, of being a part of something and existing and, and being known in that way and, and people know who we are now and that's, that's really heartwarming and, and, feels, and feels wonderful because all of this hard work uh, is, is finally paying off in that sense. Um, so that's been really great. I'm wondering if, if Linnea has a, a reaction or a would like to, to further develop what Diana was talking about in terms of uh, Victoria dance and Linda Reno and kind of where dance uh, exists in Victoria. Um, well, I started dancing in Victoria when I was uh, three years old and um, my first experience was through the ballet community, uh, dancing at Centerpoint um, Dance School under the instruction of Peggy Bain and RAD Ballet. So that was my introduction to the dance community in Victoria. And from there, I got more into contemporary as I grew up and, and became a teenager that realized that I, I didn't quite, my personality didn't quite fit with the, with the idea of being a ballerina. Um, and, and I wanted to be a bit more creative with, with my work than that. Um, and I wanted to make my own work as well as a choreographer. So that brought me to um, the Academy of Ballet under uh, Christine Letson and uh, the original White Space Dance um, Society. And what's really uh, great about Victoria and the reason why the dance community is such an incredible one here is is basically because of Dance Victoria, um, in my opinion. I've been away for five years, but growing up with Dance Victoria, uh, slowly building and bringing more and more companies to the city, um, presenting more and more contemporary work uh, to to the Victoria audiences. It really made Victoria a hub and um, and a popular stop for large companies. Um, you know, we we used to just have Alberta Ballet, Royal Winnipeg, um, you know, the National Ballet, Ballet BC, very very amazing companies but but very classical and and now dance victoria brings all those all those companies back but they're also bringing in you know uh over to go and uh la 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 human steps maori shwina and uh that's so exciting so victoria is an incredible dance city because of 
people being so dedicated to, to bring that work here. Um, and we have so many amazing uh, studios, contemporary studios like Reno Dance, um, which which I I had the privilege of of uh, taking many classes there over the years, and um, just being part of an incredible community of women, all ages, um, all backgrounds, some of whom started dancing when they were in their 40s or 50s even, and some of whom started dancing when they were three, and and just like having that. Uh, that kind of um, tapestry of different types of people here, all interested in art, all interested in dance, really makes for a for a great dance community in Victoria. Cool. Thanks so much for that perspective. Hopefully, we'll be booking some interviews while we're here, uh, and so we can bring you a little bit more information on the Victoria dance scene as we go. Uh, there should be at least one more of these types of episodes as we discover the Vancouver Fringe Festival and give you an update from that end. We can probably tell you a little bit more about Victoria at that point since we only just got here. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. We've been speaking about the 28th Victoria Fringe Festival, for which we are presenting For Body and Light. Uh, and that's all for now. Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theatre. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet est produit et animé par... Produced and hosted by Alison Burns... J.D. Papillon... et Stéphanie Moret-Robert. You can find out more about our show at nomoreradio.com, follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet, and find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Vous pouvez écouter tous nos épisodes sur notre site web ou vous pouvez vous abonner également sur iTunes à notre podcast. Listen to past episodes on website or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to give us a rating and or leave a comment to help us spread the word. Tune in next week for a whole new show.